following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 10.15 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. Um, again, Hebrews chapter 2, you're going to find it pretty close near the end of your Bible. I even got a little concordance, um, which is kind of like an index in my Bible. And um, it's still very on the end of mine, but it's still very much towards the end. If you're not sure that's at, that's fine. Look up your table of contents in your Bible. It will put you in the right spot. All right, um, but have something in front of you. I can't tell you how powerful it is to have the word in your hands while we're looking at it. Not just Sunday morning, but throughout the week. Um, all right, I I think most of you probably know that when it comes to um, vacation, not most of you, but a good number of you know that that my I like to do for vacation. My family knows that I like to go to the mountains. All right, um, every now and then though we don't go way above sea level, we go to sea level, and we go to the ocean. Um, and I've been to a few beaches, been to a few, you know, places, you know, throughout our nation, kind of, I've kind of been southeast, south, and west, and basically look like this. I've been to Oceanside, um, California, beautiful. I mean, absolutely beautiful out there, and um, the ocean, I mean, it, it, it is gorgeous. Uh, and I've been to Galveston, um, Galveston, it's a place, it's great, you know, um, and, um, enjoyed the time there, liked it, um, uh, been to Destin, Florida, um, all it does there is rain when I'm there, so I don't know if we'll ever go back there, um, but, but I can tell you that those places, there, there are, there are differences between those, those beaches, if you will, all right? There's, there's differences in the waves, you know, because I'm a Midwesterner, so, you know, I'm one of the, what are the waves like today? <laughs> like I'm ever going to get on a surfboard, are you kidding me? But more about that later. Um, so, so the waves, um, the water temperature, you go to Southern California and want to go to a beach and you don't realize it, that water's cold, people. I mean, it is stinking cold. And if you want to stay comfortable, you got to wear a wetsuit or something like that. All right, and then... You got everything from the clarity of the water. When we went to Galveston um, a while back, the water was like crystal clear. It was amazing. It was blue because they called it blue water time because there was a hurricane on the other side of the Gulf. And I didn't know that it doesn't normally look like that. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. But all of these, there's lots of differences depending upon what beach you go to. But there's similarities too. Sand, shells. I mean, oh my goodness, shells. We cannot go to the beach without bringing five five-gallon buckets home full of shells, all right? That's just the way it is in my family. I'm exaggerating just a touch, all right? So you got the shells. You got the smell. You can smell the water. I remember when we just got through Houston, a few miles through Houston, and, and you could start to smell. And I don't even know how to describe it, but you start to smell the ocean. Um, so there's some similarities, but here's a very big similarity. Every single ocean beach I've ever been to, and it's this, moms yelling, okay? I mean, every one I've ever been to, and it usually is something like this, hey, 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 too far, too far out there, come on, bring it in, bring it in, and you've got these moms just yelling, and usually you can guess that they're Midwestern moms, all right, with their Midwestern husbands and their Midwestern kids, and it's like, you're out there too far. And then sometimes, now I haven't actually heard this one, but I've heard it's happened, you know, because we're Midwesterners. We don't, well, what we're not supposed to say is like, shark, shark, you know, get in here because you're trying anything, get those kiddos in. And that's, you don't really say that. Don't, you don't want to say that, okay? All right, so, so you're yelling it too far, get back in. And then pretty soon you'll hear this, don't, 
Don't you make me. I'll be out there. Don't you make me come out there and get you. And you're like, well, where's dad at in this? Well, (laughs) dad's doing his very best Magnum P.I. impression on a boogie board, all right? Because dads can't surf from the Midwest, so they're on their boogie board catching waves. All right. Um, It's fun. All right. So um, now this is an interesting thing about beaches when you go to some like like a resort or even like maybe a a private type area in the beach. That's always kind of, and before I, I understood the purpose, you see a swimming pool. And you're like, okay, the beach is less than 100 yards away, okay? What is the swimming pool for? You know what the swimming pool is for? Tired moms, okay? That's what the swimming pool is for because you don't have to say, hey, you're too far out there. Get back in here, junior. Well, dad's out on his boogie board and his sunglasses. All right. There's a reason for all of this. There really is something behind this madness because as you might know if you've been there, there is something called a riptide. And they are very real and they can be very dangerous. Hold that thought for just a moment, okay? Let's turn back in our minds to Hebrews. We've talked about this for a couple of weeks now, but there's a couple things that we need to make very clear as we look at this passage today. Hebrews was written to a second-generation Christian audience. And what that means simply is this is still first century. This was early stuff here, okay? But they didn't see Jesus, okay? They heard about Jesus by word of mouth from others. So that's very, very important. Something else that is also important, and it's very, it's, you can't get away from Hebrews and not understand. I mean, because it's so clear, the detail written here, that one people group would very, very much understand. This letter was written to Christians who were also Jews. That was their lineage. That was their ancestry. That's ethnicity. That's who they were. And before they became followers of Jesus, they were followers of Judaism, Jewish religion, the law, all of those things. Now, this is something we need to keep in mind, okay? You see, they lived in the Roman Empire. Rome ruled the majority of the world at the time. And By the time this letter was written, something had happened in the Roman Empire. Christianity had been made illegal. Okay? You could not legally be a Christian without consequences. Now, there were some places where this was more enforced than others, but that was the rule of law. Guess what was still a legally accepted religion? Judaism. So keep that in mind, and we'll bounce back to that here in a moment as we look through this passage. Let's look to it. Now, we've been talking about this passage. Let's go ahead and read it. Hebrews chapter 2 and the first four verses. Would you read with me, please? I'll be reading out of the New American Standard. Author writes, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. 
God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. All right. Now, if you're reading out of the New International Version, NIV, somewhere in that first sentence, you're going to see the word therefore. Okay? It's not one of the first words, but it's there. Maybe some of the other versions of your Bible has that as well. And you've heard me say this before. It's not original with me. I've heard this said, and it's worth repeating, that when you see a therefore in Scripture, you find out what it is there for, okay? Which usually means something happens previous to that. Now, the New American Standard, the editors chose to define that or to translate that a little bit differently into this. For this reason. So what comes before what we just read? Well, we've talked about it last week. You can summarize all of Hebrews chapter 1 by this. The author is making the emphatic point that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is superior to angels. Okay? He laid that out there, and then he says, for this reason, and then he moves on. Now, the other thing that's interesting to me about this in these first four verses of chapter 2 of Hebrews is how the author includes himself. You start seeing first-person pronouns. He says we. He says us. So the interesting thing is, is the author includes himself in this plea for caution on behalf of his readers. And there's a reason for that. You know, when I say this word to people, different things are going to, because I know this audience, and different things are going to pop into different minds when I say this word. Drifting. Drifting. Now, we, we live in a part of the world that I think every county, I mean, you can go to south into Oklahoma, it's the same way. You can go over into Missouri, it's very similar there, that almost every county has a dirt track somewhere, okay? Or maybe it's a tri-county area or something. And, and, and those people know exactly, and when I say the word drifting, they're going to think high RPMs and tires spinning, all right? Now, you, to hear tires squealing, you're going to have to go to an asphalt track for that to take place. Even... Did it drive anybody else crazy when watching Old Dukes of Hazard that they're on a dirt road and when the General Lee spins its tires, what's it do? It's just like, what? What? Drives me crazy. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, that came to mind. I just had to say that. All right. So for some of you, when I say drifting, that's a picture that's going to come to mind. For some others here, what's going to come to mind when I say drifting is elbows in the ribs. Um, because that's what happens when the preacher starts talking. You start drifting. <laughs> you fall asleep. You know, you fall asleep. All right. So that's where some of your minds are at. Now, others are probably thinking, Noel, Missouri, the Elk River on an inner tube, you know, maybe a canoe, as long as I'm on the front and somebody else is taking care of everything and just kicking back. Now, this time of year, this year, I don't think you're kicking back, you know, over there and just enjoying a nice leisurely drift down in the Elk River. I, I doubt any of the canoe places are even going right now with all the rain that we've got. So if you've got any of those things in your mind, when I say drifting, get rid of all of it, Okay. Because that is not what our author had in mind. Let's look to verse 1. So what our author says, he says, For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. 
pay much closer attention. You know what? It's interesting to me that our, our author doesn't say pay attention. He understands that his audience is already paying attention to what they had heard about Jesus. More about that here in a second. But he's saying pay closer attention. If, if, you, if you use a New American Standard, I would recommend underlining the R in that closer at the end. And because the picture painted by the Greek language is this. Abundantly hold on to what you have heard. Now, what have they heard? Again, this is a second generation group of Christians. They did not hear the word about Jesus from Jesus. They heard it from apostles. They heard it from followers of those apostles. Okay? And more details about that in verses 3 and 4. We'll get there before we're done. All right? But my question is, why all this emphasis on what they have heard? Because continuing on, he says, pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. This Greek verb can mean two different things. To slip or to flow by. All right, now imagine this. I know some of you have probably been on canoe trips, and sometimes you've been there when the water's a little high, all right? And it's just so easy to miss that landing point, okay? There's the landing point. You're over here, and you're trying to get there, but you overshoot it, and the water's flowing so hard, it is next to impossible to get back to it. That's the picture being painted here. Or the other picture that could equally be Presented, if you've got a King James Version, it's going to say something about slipping. And the picture painted there would be like a ring being slipping off a finger and being lost. What our author is saying is he's saying it is imperative that we do not drift away from what we have heard. There's a reason for this. There's a reason why mom is yelling at Junior. Get back in here. All right? Now, some of you are going to recognize this. Tim, can you throw that up for us? I, okay, hon, I haven't done this in a long time. Please, just please. No, I didn't do it last week. Eddie, be quiet, all right? Um, I haven't done this in a long time. All right, if, if you have seen this chart before at a beach, raise your hand. Oh, okay. Have you seen that at Big Hill? Raise your hand. <laughs> you have not. Put your hand down. All right. So this is something that you're going to see. If you've ever been to an ocean beach, you're going to see something along those lines, all right? And I can tell you what. See that double red flag there at the top? Boy, we got real familiar with that one when we were in Destin. You heard me about talking about Destin. We went down there, drove all the way to Destin, Florida for vacation a couple years ago. We spent two hours in the water in a week. So, all right, so, anyway, what you got here is you got these flags, you got green, man, it's all good to go, all right? You got yellow, oh, kind of be careful, you got red, woo, 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 and you got double red, you're not getting in the water, or you will get in trouble by lifeguards, found that out, okay? So, um, all right, so what you got here is, is you got, there's a reason why mom's yelling at Junior, she's like, look at the flag, Junior, look at the flag, that's too far, you're not going out there, it's funny, because there's some moms, <laughs> it's a green flag, Junior, and you're like, poor kid, <laughs> so, 
he's going to be living at home till he's 35. So, no, just kidding. All right, so, anyway, but there is a reason why mom's yelling, right? And what our author is telling our audience is this. Don't drift away from what you've heard. Why is that so important? Who's doing the speaking anyway? Well, if you remember, let's review here from two weeks ago. Go to chapter 1 of Hebrews, the first two verses. This is what it says. God spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us in his Son. So who is the one speaking here? It's Jesus. It's Jesus speaking. So now let's bounce over to verse 2 of chapter 2. All right? We've just been told, pay close attention so we do not drift away from what we have heard. Verse 2. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and every disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? All right, a word about this. He says here, if the word spoken through angels not being listened to had consequences. And you might be saying, okay, what's what's he talking about here? Um, Remember, this is written to a Jewish audience. Okay? They know exactly what our author, by a Jewish Christian himself. Okay? And by this time, middle of the first century, it had become accepted among the Jews that the law, meaning the Ten Commandments, the covenant God made with Abraham, followed by the law which he brought through Moses, was brought, it was accepted that it was brought through, it was delivered by angels. That was kind of their their catchphrase, just their thought process. Well, it was delivered through angels. I mean, Paul agrees with this. In Galatians chapter 3, he talks in the same way. Stephen, when he was giving his very last sermon before they started throwing stones at him and rocks at him to kill him for his faith in Jesus, in Acts chapter 7, he said the same thing. This great message that God delivered was through the angels, meaning the message of the law. And this is the deal. You read in Exodus and Leviticus about that law. You break that law and there are consequences. The law that was delivered by God through angels. Chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 of Hebrews. How did God deliver his message this time around? Through his son. Through Jesus. And in verse 3, it says this, How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You know, the word that has been translated in the New American Standard, neglect, in the Greek, has a very simple meaning in the Greek, and it's this, careless. Getting careless. Uh, We use a different word sometimes for that in our culture. And so where we're going to look at a little bit today. And the word is this. Apathy or apathetic. It's not caring. It's not focusing on something. Because we just don't care. Enough. This is interesting. Because 
in the letter written to the Hebrew Christians, this is the first of several warnings that are put forth by the author. And the warning is this, there is danger in apathy among God's people. Remember the audience, we, we started this way. This is an audience of Christian people who were facing the threat of increasing persecution. Okay, persecution was growing. Now, don't get me wrong. This audience had already faced strong persecution. We'll find out more about that later on in the letter. But something else that we find out later on in the letter, actually in Hebrews chapter 12, is that they had not yet been persecuted to the point of shedding blood. What that means is what the author is saying. They had not, no one from their number had died for their faith in Jesus Christ. But... It might be coming. It might be coming for them. And in that environment in which they lived, all the while they could be safe from that persecution if they just simply kept their mouths shut about Jesus. Following this, our author gives us kind of a short gospel history lesson. And understand this, any time that I use the word gospel, ever, okay, the meaning is defined so very well for us by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. The gospel is this, Jesus lived, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. That's the gospel and the power by and which through that we can be saved. So, about that gospel, this is what he says. Verse 3, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was first spoken through the Lord, that's what chapter 1 is about. It was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. So this gospel was communicated first, and not only communicated, lived out, and demonstrated by Jesus Christ. It was confirmed by his followers, who then preached the message. This is, that's the Peter, James, and John and company part, all right? They presented the message, they confirmed it, and then of all things, God jumps into the, he jumps into the courtroom, all right? Because this is, this is legal words here when you see in, in chapter 4. He testifies as in court. And how does God testify? By his mighty power. Miracles, signs, wonders, the Holy Spirit coming and being amongst the people. You know what? Miracles still happen today, folks. They happened like crazy in the first century. Because the people needed something to back up this message that was being heard and told by the apostles. And there were some amazing, incredible things that were done. And miracles still happen, folks. They do. Because sometimes God sees a situation and he says, ah, no. That's not going to happen. I'm changing it. But if you really, really want to see miracles take place, you get in the frontiers of the work of the gospel message. And that's when miracles are amazing. Because God's miracles are done for a purpose the vast majority of the time. To testify. To testify of his son, the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to me except for through him. So God enters the courtroom and he, he throws in on this message that they have heard. That this is the way, the truth, and the life. And he does it by miracles, signs, incredible wonders. 
And because of all of this, our author tells his audience, pay attention. Don't drift. You guys ever heard of continental drift? Continental drift. Um, now, there's several theories ab- about this. And, and if, if, you, if you start, because, man, you always find the truth on Wikipedia. You know what I'm talking about? All right. So, um, so you get there, and you can find out there's several different theories about this. Um, and it's basically this, that, that the continents were all together at one time, and it was a place called, some call Pangea. And then they, they came apart and created the world that we see today. And, and there's, there's those who believe that, okay? And there's, there's some among the camps those who believe that that took place over a incredibly long period of time. There are others who believe that it took place with an inc- no, unbelievably powerful cataclysmic event. You know, maybe like a flood or something like that, you know, and the fountains of the deep were ripped open. Okay, anyway, so, so, so far. So, um, but, but a lot of people who believe in that believe that this just took a long time to happen, and the result is the globe we have today. I don't believe so sure about a gradual process in continental drift, but I can tell you a little something about spiritual drift. Many times it takes place over a period of time gradually, and it is the product of apathy. Just not caring as much as I used to. got a question for you. Do you ever need a not-so-gentle reminder about what's really important in life? You ever been in a place where you needed one of those? As someone who has not experienced too much of that personally in my life, those not-so-gentle reminders about what's important. I can speak from the standpoint of watching a lot of people experience that. And I can tell you some of those reminders that work can be heartbreaking. Because it's, 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 it's those reminders that help people realize I'm not really in control here. I mean, because honestly... I mean, can it become so easy to think you're in control? I mean, can we fall into that trap thing? Oh, I've got it covered. It's all good. I mean, and, and, and some of these reminders that are so heartbreaking can be this. No, you're not in control. And usually what follows this is, is something along these lines. I, 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 can't, I can't do this by myself. can't do this by myself. And let me tell you, folks, those reminders can hurt. And I've watched families walk through those reminders. And it's interesting to me, watching those families endure that, I can tell you from watching their example of it, this Those times in life, those difficult times. Because, folks, I will tell you this right now. This is the nature of the world that we live in. Those reminders come to people who don't even need a reminder. (laughs) 
And when those difficult times in life come, what makes all the difference in the world is those who have hope. Real hope. Guess what? Our author talks about hope. We'll get into that in a few weeks. About real hope. You know, I know that Jesus, he understands moms. He does. He understands moms at the beach. You know, he understands, hey, no, Magnum P.I., would you get over here or get out there and get Junior? Don't make me come in there, because I'll do it. You're not going to be like dragged out of the ocean by mama. You're going to wish a shark got you. Right? And, and. Jesus understands because Jesus knows what it's like to stand at the shore. Say, hey, you're getting out there too far. You need to refocus your vision. You need to be looking at me, Junior. You need to get your priorities in line. Don't make me. Don't make me come out there. 